Hello, welcome to the Reversing Diabetes at Delane MD podcast, episode number 168. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. If you are looking for strategies to live a naturally healthy life, you are in the right place. I have not mastered the turning that off yet before I start the podcast. I apologize. Okay, so today we are going to talk about the thought or the belief that it doesn't matter what I eat, my blood sugars go high no matter. So if you've ever had this thought, if you've ever had this run through your brain, we're going to talk about what it is, why it happens this way, why it seems this way, and how to fix it. Before we jump into that, I do want to talk about the five-day training seminar that's coming up this Monday. So Monday, October 17th, 2022, that's when this five-day seminar will start. It will go through Friday the 21st. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, you're getting this before the podcast drops on the podcast players. So um, if you are watching it on the YouTube, then you can get signed up still. If you are listening to this on the podcast players, like after it typically drops, it's fine. Um, send me an email. If you listen to this, if it was like Wednesday and you're listening to this, it's probably too late to get started. But if you're listening to this on Monday morning, send me an email. I'll do what I can to get you in. All right. Also, this is probably more news. I don't know. This is new or different. I will be offering a group for the gentleman. I will be offering a session. It won't be the five-day session, but it will be a 90-minute session. I've got it scheduled for October 24th, 6 p.m. Central Time to 7.30 p.m. It's a training session. I will talk about the basics of biology, I, or I'm sorry, the basics and the biology of diabetes. I will talk about the strategies that I teach to help people reverse it, and then I will take any questions. Gentlemen, if you've been out here listening and you've been doing these things and you've been trying this and trying that and getting kind of mixed results or not sure why things are happening the way they are, what you need to do differently, bring that. Certainly, if you know you should be doing something and find yourself doing something else, bring that to this call. Um, that's the coaching component. And I would love to dig into that part because I think that's a really powerful life changing part. So follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook. That's where I'll be making these announcements. The registration page is not up on my website yet for the gentlemen's group. So keep an eye out for that. You can always send me an email at Delane at Delane MD. I will get you, um, I'll get you registered. I'll put you on the list. Uh, the five-day training session starting on October 17th, that is on my website, DelaneMD.com. Go to the events tab and you can find it there. Do not click on the main page there is a learn more or sign up button here it takes you to the may um the may five-day free session i don't know why it's doing that the computers are winning but i'm working on it but either way go to the events tab and that should be able to take you to the registration form if for some reason you're having a hard time and all you know this because many of you do this send me an email delane at delanemd.com i'm happy to get you registered um, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook. That's where I make these announcements or we'll keep reminding you. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You'll get access to the podcast early. I'm happy to answer any questions that you put up there. If you're listening to the podcast through the podcast players, though, if you would please rate the podcast, rate and review the podcast. This gets the podcast in front of more people. Like it and rate it. 
so that other people, if you're getting help from this, let other people get help from it also. Recognize they need to know this message as much as anybody, and they need to hear these tools so that they can implement them and reverse their type 2 diabetes and start living that naturally healthy life. Lastly, if you're listening, if you're using this information, if you're getting amazing results, send me an email, delane at delanemd.com. Tell me your success story. I will respond to your email, I promise. I won't share your story unless I tell you I'm going to share your story or ask. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll ask and make sure you're okay with it. But other people need to hear this. I think it is the most powerful thing for people to hear that it is possible to fix this, to fix type 2 diabetes. The medical machine in America, Western medicine, is not telling people this. They are not telling you're not going to hear it from your primary care doctor. You're not going to hear it from a cardiologist. You're not going to hear it from your endocrinologist. So other people need to hear that this is possible. That's why I put this podcast out so that people understand you can live a naturally healthy life. You do not have to be sick with type 2 diabetes for the rest of your life. So let's dig in into this belief. So I had a conversation with a woman this week over the weekend. And the comment out of her mouth, I was uh, discussing, she was telling me about some of her medical conditions and I knew she had diabetes and one of her comments and one of my responses was, oh, you really need, it, need to cut out the carbohydrates from your diet. She was telling me about her liver issues and I was like, oh yeah, you really need to cut out the processed foods, the carbohydrates from your diet. And she said, she looked at me funny. I said, well, you have diabetes, right? And she said, yeah, but it doesn't matter what I eat. Even when I eat celery, my blood sugars go up. So that was the comment that really struck me. And it struck me because I realized how far this woman was, like just in her belief about what causes her type 2 diabetes and also the liver issues, right? How far away she was from fixing that which was in her power, where how far she was from implementing the agency, the lifestyle modifications that she could to change some of this, how far she was away from it, from this one belief. It doesn't matter what I eat. Even when I eat celery, my blood sugars go up. So when you think about saying that, about believing that, and lots of us have believed this, and there's reason for it, I'm going to dive into that. But when we believe that, there is a feeling of out of control. There's a feeling of helplessness that comes along with it. There's a feeling of lost and confusion. And when we're feeling those things, and I think that whether you feel lost or whether you feel out of control, that's probably unique to you. But this family of feelings, as one might call them, leads us to not stick with just the celery, right? Like, I'm going to eat the celery and it doesn't matter what I do, so I might as well have the pizza too, right? We don't just stick with only the celery. And of course, because it doesn't matter, we don't check our blood sugars. We don't have a fasting regimen. We're not counting our carbs and comparing them with our blood sugars. We're not collecting the data about what we eat. And we're frequently eating junk food because why would we eat the celery? If it doesn't matter, our blood sugars go up anyway. I might as well eat something I like, right? And then, of course, the result that we get from this is it doesn't matter. You don't know what actually matters because you're not looking at any of it. You're not collecting the data that we need to collect to look at it, right, to figure out what's causing that blood sugar to go up. Also, you're eating foods that have caused the blood sugars to go up. So recognize a lot of times this comes from a feeling 
of frustration and uh, deprivation. And I would offer that even if the story is true, like even, I mean, like certainly people have evidence for this, right? Like they've checked once or twice after eating a celery stick and maybe they also had like whole wheat pasta or something and their blood sugars went up and maybe it was the pasta, but I will offer because of the physiology, the pathophysiology, the disease state of type two diabetes, it is quite possible that your blood sugars do go up when you eat celery. And it's not because celery isn't a great food to eat and you should just be eating Snickers bars. It's clearly not the right answer, right? There's something else going on. I want to talk about that. But even if it were true, it's not helpful to feel helpless. It is not helpful to feel confused. It is not helpful to feel out of control. Even if you have a lot of evidence for the story, it's not a helpful story. So frequently, again, this story comes from frustration and deprivation, the feeling of deprivation. People feel like they should be able to eat these foods and they can't because it's making them sick or somebody's telling them they can't. I'm that somebody, right? Somebody's telling them they can't eat that food. And then they're mad, they're frustrated, they're deprived of this thing that they quote unquote want. And so when a client comes to me with this, my first question is, why are you feeling deprived, quote unquote, from not eating something that is making you sick? Your, these foods, right? Like the foods that you're deprived of eating, the candy bars, the cookies, the pizza, the nachos, whatever it is, those foods that you're quote unquote depriving yourself from eating created your diabetes and now actually make your diabetes worse every time you eat them. They make you physically ill. They give you a disease. Why is it deprivation to not eat those? It's the equivalent of a smoker who smoked cigarettes to the point that they got lung disease and then they're feeling deprived every time they're not smoking a cigarette, giving themselves the lung disease that they have or worsening the lung disease they have, making them sicker. Okay. So ask yourself the question. I will frequently take this question to my clients and they think it's very hyperbolic and everybody chuckles a little and feels kind of uncomfortable because it seems really silly and that's okay. Bear with me. Ask yourself why you're not feeling deprived because you can't use cocaine or heroin or because you don't use cocaine or heroin. Most people see this differently. And two things come up usually. One, I've never done it, so I don't know. Or two, it's illegal, right? So most of the time they're like, well, it's illegal. You can't use that. Fine, fair enough. Why is it illegal? On some level, they work down to, well, it's illegal because it's bad for you. That's why those illicit drugs are illegal because they're bad for you on some in some way, shape, or form. They're bad for the human body. So recognize cake, ice cream, candy bars, nachos, pizza, pasta, rice, Chinese food. They're bad for you too. Hear me on this, my friend. These foods are bad for you also, just like those illicit drugs. Now, for the love of all that's holy, please don't start doing drugs. That is not what I'm trying to promote here. But I want you to see how it's this belief that that food is okay for somebody, but not me, right? That's creating that feeling of deprivation. It's a belief and it's a thought error. And it's not, I mean, it's not true. Like it's not okay for you. It's creating disease in your body. 
Okay. Those illicit drugs create cravings and urges the same way that cake and junk food does for us. The difference is that you believe those drugs are bad for you, but what I want you to see is it's the same with these foods. They are bad for you. They are making you sick and they, they have made you sick and are making you sicker. So recognize this feeling of deprivation is optional. This feeling of frustration that you can't eat these things are optional. This idea that no matter what I eat, my blood sugars go up comes from this deprivation, this frustration, right? Because I want to be eating these foods, but they tell me not to. But even when I eat the foods that are good for me, my blood sugars go up, right? They're, they're connected. These things are related. And what I want to offer to you is the foods that you quote unquote want create your illness. They've created your illness and will make you sicker. They're not food. They're not nourishment to your body. They're not nutrients for your body. They're not natural to the human being in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't mean they're bad. I would offer heroin isn't bad. I ain't running out and doing it. But heroin's used, like heroin de derivatives are used to treat pain postoperatively all the time. It's not bad used in the right setting. Like there's a reason you can't use it all the time though. Used in the right setting, birthday cakes, amazing. My birthday's coming up. I still don't know if I'm going to have cake or not, but birthday cake's amazing in the right setting, but you can't use it all the time, right? So recognize there's not a difference between these things. Both of these things cause disease in the body. The difference is the reason you feel deprived and the reason you feel frustrated and the reason you have urges and cravings that you entertain about chocolate cake is because you don't believe that it's making you sick. Okay. So let's talk about why. What is the science behind when I eat celery? Even when I eat celery, my blood sugars go up. Let's talk about the science behind that. So type 2 diabetes, if you've listened to any of these podcast episodes, you are aware. Type 2 diabetes is caused by too much insulin in your system. It's not caused by too many carbohydrates per se, although too many carbohydrates do lead to the insulin resistance, which is what is caused by too much insulin in your system. The carbohydrates will get you there, but the actual problem going on on a cellular level is insulin resistance, and it is caused by having too much insulin in your system. So your cells are not hearing the message that insulin is trying to give them, okay? Insulin's a chemical. It's trying to tell your cell, hey, there's glucose out here. That's energy for you. Go ahead and open up and bring that energy on in. That's what insulin is trying to tell your cells. But your cells have heard this message so many times, like it's been exposed to this message to insulin for so long at such a high level that the cells are like, I can't even with you. I call it going deaf, right? They plug their ears. I can't even hear you right now. So your cells aren't hearing this message that insulin is trying to say. So the pancreas, which makes the insulin, the pancreas sees that there's still blood sugar floating around. So it starts to put out more insulin to try to yell louder at the cells. And eventually it will cross a threshold that will cause the cells to open up and bring that glucose inside, that energy inside. But recognize that threshold is moving, right? Like the first time that, you know, there's this higher threshold and the pancreas has to spit out more insulin. So the cells will open up and bring the blood sugar and the sugar in to use as fuel. The first time it has to put out more. What that does is it just makes the next time that the 
pancreas runs into the situation, the cells are more deaf. They're plugging their ears harder. So the blood sugars get higher and the pancreas then has to spit out more insulin. And over time, it just ratchets up to the point that the pancreas can't keep up with it anymore. And that's what we as physicians pick up as high blood sugars on your lab panels. Okay. But the problem is you have too much insulin in your system and your cells are like, I ain't hearing what you got to say. I just can't even with you people. And they plug their ears. La, 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 la. They don't hear it. So that is the biology, the pathophysiology, the disease state of type 2 diabetes. That's what causes this. So recognize when your blood sugars are running high. So say your personal average blood sugar runs at 180, 190. That means that your pancreas is always spitting out insulin. There's always insulin, always insulin happening. And because you ate the two grams of carbohydrates that came with the one celery stock, your blood sugars didn't drop with that because they're always in that higher range. They may go up a little bit even with that, right? Because the amount of insulin you're spitting out at 180 is not enough to overcome the threshold and make your cells open up and bring the blood sugar in. Or it would have already done that and your blood sugars would be normal. Okay. So if you're running around with elevated blood sugars, recognize it is, that is a trigger to your pancreas to keep making more insulin. And as long as the pancreas is making more insulin, your cells are going to just plug their ears tighter. They're going to become more insulin resistant as long as your pancreas is putting out that concentration of insulin. Okay. So that's why it seems even when I eat this healthy food, my blood sugars don't change, right? Because your blood sugars were probably there anyway. And if you ate celery in a salad and there was protein, and maybe there was 20 grams of carbohydrates in your salad, that will probably bump your blood sugars up. Because remember this process that should be happening of insulin getting released from your pancreas and causing your cells to open up and bring that energy inside is not happening. It's not happening when your blood sugar is 180. It's not happening when your blood sugars are 220. It might happen when your blood sugars are 250 or 260. Maybe that's when your pancreas is really kicking out some insulin and finally overrides that threshold. But that's why it seems this way. Okay. That's why it seems I ate this and nothing, it, like it didn't even fix my blood sugars. And of course, intellectually, I can tell you, well, of course, you're not going to fix your blood sugars with one meal, right? Like, Intellectually, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It took a long time for me to get sick. It's probably going to take me some time to get better. That makes sense, right? But in the moment, you're so wrapped up with that frustration and deprivation of not getting the foods that you quote unquote want that you can't even have that rational conversation in your head. So other things that actually lead to your blood sugar going up that have nothing to do with your food stress will cause blood sugars to go up. And remember, when we have stress, we release cortisol. Cortisol goes to our liver and turns on glucose, like glucose production. Gluconeogenesis is the process, okay? So if your blood sugars are already 180, 190, and your pancreas is not spitting out enough insulin to manage that, and you're stressed and you're spitting out some cortisol and your liver starts making more glucose, you may not eat anything at all and your blood sugars could jump to 200. So recognize 
all everything that happens with our blood sugars doesn't really have to do with the things we're eating all the time okay nothing's broken with you this is just the biology of it how do you fix it that's what we're going to talk about next but before we do that i want to talk about the other things that can cause your blood sugars to be up poor sleep is a physiologic stressor you are a human animal that requires seven to nine hours of sleep a night and if you're not getting that it's kind of like not breathing it's like holding your breath that's a problem biologically right your body's going to have a certain response to that when you're not getting enough sleep your body has a certain response to that that response is a stress response it releases cortisol and that cortisol causes your liver to make glucose and that causes your blood sugars to go up okay so if you're not getting enough sleep and you didn't eat anything at all your blood sugars could go up diseases like COVID or influenza or urinary tract infection or pneumonia all of those things again there will be a cortisol release because these are biological stressors and that's what cortisol is there to do and that will cause your insulin or your liver to put out glucose so these things can cause your blood sugars to go up immunizations again this is a physiologic response a stressor to our body to cause our body to produce an immune response against these pathogens influenza or covid or um tdap diphtheria tetanus pertussis those kinds of things they're our body is supposed to have this stress response with these immunizations but part of that involves uh cortisol release and part of that cortisol release will lead to your blood sugars going up despite what you eat even if you just eat celery okay so some of this is related to the un underlying all of it's related to the underlying insulin resistance but then there are things that have nothing to do with your food that will cause your body to start producing more glucose and cause your blood sugars to go up it has nothing to do with what you do or don't eat okay so understanding the science behind it is helpful understanding that snickers bars are never the right answer guys like if you're really interested in fixing your type 2 diabetes there is never going to be an alternate universe where your human biology goes with a Snickers bar to fix that or whatever your junk food of choice is. Okay. It's not the celery that's the problem. It's not the health food, quote unquote, that you're eating that's the problem that we're mad at, right? We're frustrated at the celery. I can't believe they're screwing us over this way, right? It's not the celery that's the problem. It is the biology of our type 2 diabetes that has to be normalized. We have to fix that biology so that our bodies will start managing the celery correctly. Eating a Snickers bar is never going to create that normal biology because the Snickers bar is not a normal food source and not a normal nutrient, not a natural nutrient. It does not align with our human biology is really what it comes down to. So that is never the right answer, even when you're frustrated with the celery or your blood sugars and thinking that the celery is supposed to make my blood sugars better. Over time, you will get there. Adding a Snickers bar is never the right answer. So let's talk about how we do fix it. Collect the data. I, my clients will like, they I sometimes I'm really grateful that my groups are over Zoom, that my work is over Zoom, because I'm pretty sure some of my ladies are limbering up on their free uh group call time periods so that they can like roundhouse me and get me a good throat throat chop with their foot collect the data it's what I say all the time all of your answers are going to be in the data it's all going to be right there in the data that you collect what is the data that you need to collect the data that you need to collect is number one when you eat you need to record the time you need to record times with all of these so times have to be recorded you record what you eat 
and how many carbohydrates are in that. I could care less whether you have two tablespoons of anything. I just need to know how many carbohydrates are in there. Okay. So if it's uh, half a cup of green beans, then you're going to figure out how many carbohydrates are in a half a cup of green beans and you're going to record that. If you have it with a piece of chicken, there's no carbohydrates in chicken. If you have it with a salad, you're going to have like whatever it is, 10 grams of carbs with your salad and dressing. Okay. So that meal is going to be like 15, 16 grams of carbs. Okay. So that's what you're going to record. You're going to record the time that you ate that and that many carbs. Two hours afterwards, you want to check a blood sugar. That needs to be timed and that needs to be recorded. With each meal that you eat, you need to check that blood sugar two hours later. If you're eating all day long, this becomes daunting. This is one of the benefits of fasting. So recognize like we don't as human beings need to eat all day long. We as human beings are eating ourselves in the grave. So if you're following that regimen and you've created type two diabetes, recognize that we have to change that regimen. So I would highly recommend that you don't eat all day long. You have two, maybe three meals a day and you count up the carbs in the meal and you record your blood sugar, your finger stick blood sugar two hours after that. The other blood sugar that's really important to record is your fasting blood sugar. That does not have to do like what you ate last night is not causing your fasting blood sugar to be high or low today. It can have some effect on it, but it's not like the two hour after your meal. Two hours after your meal, you're looking at what happened in your body with that meal you ate. Your fasting blood sugar actually tells me how your fasting cortisol response is. It really gives me a lot of information about your insulin resistance. I've done a podcast on that. Go back and find it. Um, the fasting blood sugar is the last one to normalize and it has the most information with it. I love the fasting blood sugar. In fact, if you're only going to get one blood sugar, get that. But recognize if you're trying to figure out whether celery is a problem, looking at your two hours afterward, blood sugar is really helpful, right? And if you think that celery is a problem and Snickers aren't, I really highly recommend you look at two hours after each of those meals and figure out where the real problem is, because I, I will guarantee you it is not the celery. Okay. So collect the data, make your decisions, remove the emotion, the deprivation, the frustration, all of that, remove that from your decision and look at the data. If you're just looking at the data, you will see that yes, the celery, you eat the celery and maybe your blood sugar is at 110 after the celery, but you'll, it might be 180, 190, but after the Snickers bar, it's probably 260, maybe 300. Okay recognize that removing the deprivation and the frustration allows you to just look at that data. Okay. The other thing that I think is a really helpful strategy, whenever you're really frustrated and trying to figure out why your blood sugars are high, no matter what you do is to implement a 24 to 36 hour fast and record your blood sugars. So clearly if you're fasting, you're not going to be do doing two hours after a meal. So you're just going to have to take one every few, like every 10 hours or every eight hours, maybe get the fasting in the morning. And then a couple times throughout the day, that 24 hour to 36 hour, you know, time period that you're awake, take your blood sugar and see what happens. Okay. This fast does two things that I think are really important. One, it gives your cells, it gives your cells a break from managing your nutrients. Okay. So that's what this insulin response is, right? It's your cells management of energy of the nutrients that you're taking in. Okay. So if you are fasting, 
you're not bringing in nutrients, so your cells get a break. That means your cells don't need more insulin. That allows the insulin that's already in your system, right? You're running at 190, 180, and your pancreas is spitting out more insulin all the time because this is triggering that pancreas to turn on. If you're not eating, eventually that insulin burns off. And over time, you have that blood sugar go down. Sometimes this happens in the first 24 to 36 hour fast. Sometimes it takes three or four of the 36, 24 to 36 hour fasts to see that improvement in your blood sugars. Okay. But the fast is really helpful because it does give your cells a break. First, it gives your cells a break from the insulin, from the management of your nutrients. And second, you start to have the realization that what happens, your blood sugar being 180, your blood sugar being 170, your blood sugar being 150, when you want it to be 100, it doesn't have to do. In this moment today, it's not having to do with what I eat because I'm not eating anything. It gives you information that there's something more than just what you're doing. You can kind of take the blame from yourself and be like, oh, it's not always about what I'm eating. Huh, fair enough. There's a lot of things that are going into this. Okay. So fasting, I think is one of the most helpful strategies to kind of separate like in a lot of, you know, this fault game that we have, right? Like I shouldn't have eaten that. I should have known better. Why does it, you know, do this? Why can't I figure this out? All of this, right? Like if it's not what you're eating and you're seeing your blood sugars kind of go all over regardless, I mean, like you're not even eating and they're going all over. Okay, fine. Again, there's reasons. It's this insulin resistance, it's stress, it's poor sleep, it's all of these things. Yeah, that's happening. And your body is just going to have to have the space to be a human body and have that biological response. And you're going to have to kind of give it the elbow room, grace and space to do that until it calms down until it gets a break from this food. Again, like if you're wanting normal biology, allowing your body the space to start to find that normal biology is the right answer. Throwing a Snickers bar on it is never the right answer. It's not gonna help in this situation. Other things that you can do to fix your blood sugars that I think are really awesome. One, exercise. Exercise does two things. One, it... I always say it's good for your heart. It's great for your lungs, but it's perfect for your soul. Exercise is good for you for those reasons. But two, when you get sweaty, when you're exercising and you have an episode, episode of exercise to the point that you're sweaty, your heart rate gets high enough that you're sweaty, your body actually changes. It switches. The cells switch to bring glucose and they use a different transporter across a cell membrane that brings glucose inside the cell that has nothing to do with insulin. And what that means is that it doesn't matter how insulin resistant you are, your body's gonna bring that glucose in anyway. It's the coolest thing ever. And even cooler than that, and I've done a podcast on this, go find it, but I think this is really, really like, this is magic. I think this is the coolest thing ever. Even cooler, then it having the switch and no longer requiring insulin. So your insulin resistance becomes irrelevant. Your body's going to bring, your cell's going to bring that glucose inside, regardless of your insulin resistance. And your cell is going to burn that glucose off as fuel. Not only is that super cool, but that switch can last up to 72 hours, 48 to 72 hours, two to three days after a single exercise event, exercise episode. 
So exercise is one of the coolest things, right? So you still have the pancreas kicking out all this insulin because your blood sugars are running baseline 190 and you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to shut the pancreas off. How do I do it? You exercise. That's how you do it. You turn on this alternate pathway. Your body starts to bring that 190 inside the cells. Suddenly we're 170 and then we're 160 and then we're 150. And it doesn't matter that we're so insulin resistant because I'm not using that mechanism. So your cells start to burn off all that energy, that fuel, that glucose. And suddenly when you're down 150 and 140, there's nothing triggering your pancreas anymore to spit out more insulin. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful tool. Exercise. If you have any um, complications from type 2 diabetes, um, renal disease, eye disease, cardiac disease, uh, so kidneys, eyes, heart, nephropathy, um, I'm sorry, not, not nephropathy, neuropathy, tingling to your fingertips and toes. If you have any of those complications, get cleared by your primary care doctor or your cardiologist prior to starting an exercise program. That's the recommendations by the ADA. So um, do use some common sense here, but recognize the power of exercise. Y'all, you all need to be having an exercise program. And this is the reason why. One, you start to burn off that glucose and you do it regardless of how insulin resistant you are. And then it shuts your pancreas down from making all that insulin all the time. That gives your cells a break from the insulin and allows them to heal up from their insulin resistance. Those are the strategies I teach you, right? I'm always teaching you how to give your, your cells a break from that insulin so they can start to heal. Exercise is a powerful tool in that. I would always recommend stress management so you're not getting this huge cortisol response that goes down to your liver, makes your liver make glucose, and then tells your pancreas to spit out more insulin, right? Learning how to manage your stress. Things that have evidence behind them for stress management, yoga, meditation, exercise. All of those are active things that you can do more than just calm down. That's not a very helpful strategy. Those are active things that you can do to manage your stress. Anything with breathing is really powerful. When we take a deep breath, our diaphragm flattens. The vagus nerve is a parasympathetic, so it's a calming nerve. It's a big one. It's a calming nerve that runs through the diaphragm. It's right up against our esophagus as our esophagus penetrates through our diaphragm to get to our stomach. The vagus nerve is right there with it. When we take a deep breath and flatten our diaphragm out, that flattening of the diaphragm actually has mechanical, mechanical stimulation of that parasympathetic, that calming vagal nerve, okay? So that's why the yoga and the meditation, those breathing techniques help. It's probably why exercise helps too, but it's a little more complicated, I think, with the exercise. Stress management is another way that you can help improve your blood sugars. And then lastly, sleep. For the love of all that's holy, friends, sleep, sleep seven to nine hours. You are a human animal that requires sleep. It is not a luxury afforded to those somebody else. It's not something you'll catch up on when you're dead. If you do not get enough sleep now, you will be dead sooner. It is a biological need of human bodies. Your brain clears out. It prevents dementia. It also helps your cortisol to calm down. It helps you manage stress better. It helps improve your diabetes. It helps improve your insulin resistance. For the love of all that's holy sleep, my friends. The other thing that's really cool about sleep, you can't be shoving food in your mouth while you're sleeping. So, okay, guys, that is what I have for you today on the topic of doesn't matter what I eat, my blood sugars go up. I don't doubt that. I know that there is evidence for this that you have that makes you believe this. Recognize that the answer to that is never to eat junk food. 
the celery is still always the right answer, friend. And figuring out how to stop looking at the celery is something that you're being cheated with instead of being able to eat ho-hos and ding-dongs. Those ho-hos and ding-dongs made you sick and will make you sicker. That is not food for the human being, okay? These are the things that we really work on in my group. And my clients will all tell you, a lot of them are like, no, I want you to give me a food list. And I'm like, I can give you a food list. It doesn't matter if I tell you to eat peppers, red peppers, bell peppers, and cottage cheese. If you're going to sit there and tell you how much, tell yourself how much a bunch of crap it is that you can't have the pizza, you're never going to be happy with your naturally healthy existence. Okay. And it's a lot easier to keep those results long-term if you're really happy with the way you're living your life. And that's the work we do. If that's something you're interested in, don't hesitate to reach out to me, Delane at DelaneMD.com. We can get you set up for a consult and um, then we can, um, I'll tell you how the program works. We can get you signed up and you can get started. All right. I will be back next week. I think I'm going to be doing a um, review of how to look at food labels, not just, I mean, yeah, there's the protein and the fat and the carbohydrate component, but also the hidden words that they use for sugars. So um, I think I'm going to be doing a deep dive on that and the different things that they put in that actually will cause your blood sugars to go up. So 